morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? It's good to be together, isn't it? And uh, it's always a joy to come here. It's such a blessing to be with you. And uh, you folks hold a very, very special place in the coffee family's heart. And uh, we're always thankful as to be, uh, to be missionaries who represent you wherever we go. And uh, uh, we had an exciting week. As a matter of fact, speaking of missions here, uh, I was able to uh, get back last evening from being down in Kentucky. And uh, I'm sorry that I missed being here for your presentation. And uh, I think that was, what, two weeks ago or something like that? And uh, I was I was speaking somewhere or, or something, but, and then I headed back down to Kentucky, so I didn't get back until last evening. But uh, man, I, you know, the neat thing that I remember about you folks is the team that I took from here, uh, of, the, of the 16 people that were on that team, eight of them was their first time missions trip ever. And that just, to me, was just incredible. As a matter of fact, how many of you in here were on that team? I saw a few of you there. Yep, I, mean, I just will never forget your, your testimony that evening about how the Lord just did that work in your life. And, and uh, I know she'll be going back again, so and somewhere, wherever the Lord leads. But uh, uh, it was just great. As a matter of fact, uh, this last team that I had there, not only did they get to see uh, all the projects that you did, and as a matter of fact, that, uh, that uh, grape arbor that we built down there, is now the talk of the holler. Uh, there are people that literally come from the other end of the holler just to come up and see it. And, uh, and they're asking, can we get people down there to build them one? I mean, you know, just kind of that thing. But, but it's kind of neat. And then you all came back here, and the Lord blessed with being able to purchase a planer. I have the picture right there of a grizzly 15-inch planer. All right, guys, don't, don't lust after that, okay? Uh, so they had the electric run, but when we got there, it was still in the plastic outside of the crate. Mike said, I just haven't had time to get up there and hook it up. And so uh, we, we had to do a whole bunch of stuff to it before we ever ran it. We had to uh, make sure there was oil. I, I never knew planers take oil, but this one takes oil. It takes about a little over a quart of oil in, in a gearbox. And so we had to make sure that was good. And uh, we got everything running. And I ran the first boards through that planer. Uh, I ran some, uh, some hemlock through there to bring home to make shelves for my honey thing. So, right? And uh, always got to keep Honey Fang happy, right? So she wanted some shelves, and, and uh, I brought back some wood. So you just, this is a huge blessing. And you know the story. I don't know if the, if the team shared this with you, but, uh, you know, there are missions teams that come in besides ours. We probably bring the most teams to here. But there are people, inevitably, that say they know how to use equipment, but really don't, Right? Uh, uh, you've all met people like that. Well, what happened was a missions team was in there, not one that we brought, but another team, and they said they knew how to use a planer. Well, they ended up burning out the motor at the other planer. 
And, and, you know, they said they would get another one, but that never materialized. So Mike needed a planer, and you all, God used you to meet that need, and now it's hooked up. It is ready to go. The other thing that we uh, worked on there, bring up that next picture. Uh, if you remember, uh, uh, who was my uh, weed whacker guy that just, is he here? Is Adrian Stoner? No, he's not there. Okay, he weed whacked that whole back end of that thing, and we built a 31-foot wraparound deck that goes around the other side. You can see it kind of came out there and then goes up this other side. So we've got that last portion. And so my wife said when I showed her this picture, she said, honey, the back of that trailer looks awful. I said, well, one team's going to put hemlock on the side of that trailer and make it look nice. That'll be down the road. But the next team that I bring down next month, we're going to put railing on it and a roof on it. So you guys helped to the first phase of that. Now we got the second phase done. And then the third phase uh, is that portion. And the fourth phase will be to do the whole inside to get it ready. The reason we're doing this is their kitchen staff, when they come to cook for those camps, they have nowhere to stay. This is going to be a kitchen staff place where they can stay on site and cook the meals right there uh, up in the kitchen. So it is a tremendous blessing. And you folks impacted Mike and Lima in ways that you will never know. Um, we just sat and listened. You know, we bring a lot of different teams there, but I think, I, I, I think you guys might have been their favorite team that ever came down. They love them all. But somehow you connected with them, and this church connected with them. And uh, I don't know how the Lord will bud that relationship, but uh, it was just such a, uh, such a blessing. Uh, Mike lost his teeth while we were down there. He doesn't have teeth, so he has dentures. And God bless him. Like, after two days we were there, he put them somewhere and couldn't find them. So he was all distraught about it, and so we prayed, Lord, help us find his teeth. We thought maybe we threw him away or something, you know. And uh, lo and behold, I got a picture on the way home of him smiling at the camera. And he said, I found my teeth. And uh, they were in a container that he had put in uh, his hoodie. And he had slipped them in the pocket of his hoodie and forgot and hung that hoodie in the kitchen. Last time I was down there last year, he lost his glasses. I don't know how much more he can lose when I go down there. But uh, man, he is just a character. And... Uh, just thank you for connecting with them. You guys are such a blessing. Thank you for praying for our grandson, Porter. I always like to give an update when I come. Uh, literally, he was just at Philly last week, right, Kathy? Last week. And uh, he had to meet with the uh, uh, eye doctor. I was going to say obstetrician, but that's not right. That's not right. What, uh, what is that eye doctor? Not that one. Okay, yeah, that's the one he met with. I think the ladies meet with the other one, and then it's like, yeah, that's, that's got that one wrong. Uh, I know, I'm sorry, honey, I, don't, I, I didn't mean to say it, but it just came out. But anyway, uh, so they took him there, and uh, God bless him, he's going to need glasses. He's going to need glasses, and so they sent me some pictures of down there in Kentucky, and he had all these little neat little glasses on, but uh, it's not because... Uh, it's because of the disease that he has is making his eyes get progressively worse. So, uh, but he's all excited about wearing glasses. He says he's going to look like, he calls me happy. That's my name that he gave me, happy. 
And so he says, I look like happy now. So that'll be good. But so continue to pray for him. And uh, uh, the big thing for him is his, his temperature, his, his thermostat in his body does not work like ours works. So when he's out in the hot, in the heat, he can't be out there very long. He, he doesn't sweat. His body cannot sweat. And so uh, he, he get dehydrated really quickly. So we try and keep him into the pool, but if he's in the pool too long, then he'd go into hypothermia. So it's just kind of a balancing act. You know, when we start to see him shivering, poor they got to go lay in the sun, then he'll get out and lay in the sun for a little bit. Oh, getting ready, get back into the pool, you know. And, and, but, but, but he's doing pretty well. Continue to pray for him. You know, uh, every day is a miracle. Every day is a miracle. And we know he is where he is today because of prayer. Amen? Amen. And that's just, we know that. Thank you for letting Pastor Roger and Luann get away for their 40th wedding anniversary. That's phenomenal. I guess you had to kind of push them out, didn't you? You had to kind of get, get them to go and do something. But what a blessing they are. And I'll tell you, Pastor Roger and his wife, uh, Luann, are just such dear, precious friends of ours. So... We just thank the Lord for him. You all have a pastor that loves you very, very much. Very, very much. So anyway, uh, thank you again. If you want to know what's happening in the coffee family, there is a clipboard out there on a, a podium, kind of like this, right out as you go out. You can sign up for our newsletter. We need a team of people praying for us. I know many of you already get our newsletter, but there's new faces here. And so we always give an opportunity for others who want to be a part of that to know how they can pray for us. There's also a new prayer card out there, so please get one of those, and that way you can pray for us. So thank you so, so much. Kathy and I just thank you for your continued prayers and your support to our family. You are a blessing to us. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to talk about the heart this morning. I'm going to give you some facts about the heart. Some facts about the heart. You know, your heart is an amazing organ. God designed it that way. You don't really think about your heart too much until you get need a catheterization or a heart attack or something like that. You don't really think about your heart, but it really is an amazing, amazing organ. So listen to these facts about your heart. Your heart beats about 100,000 times in one day. 100,000 times in one day, about 35 million times in a year, and during an average lifetime, an average lifetime, the human heart will beat more than, think about this, 2.5 billion times. And you don't even have to tell to do it. It just knows to do it, right? God made it that way. Uh, you know, if you pick up a tennis ball and you give it a good squeeze, you know, you pick up a tennis ball, a hard squeeze, you're using about the same amount of force that your heart uses to pump blood out of the body. Even at rest, even at rest, if you're sitting there right now at rest, the muscles in your heart work hard, twice as hard as the leg muscles of a person who's sprinting. So if you're sitting there and your heart's going, it's working twice as hard as the leg muscles of a person that would be sprinting past you. The aorta, you know the big artery that's in there, right? That is almost the diameter of a garden hose. Think about that. Yet on the other hand, capillaries, capillaries are so small that it takes 10 of them to equal the thickness of a human hair. So you've got the garden hose 
and you've got the capillaries, and ten of those is the thickness of a human hair. Now think about this. If this just doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Your body has about six quarts of blood. That's, that's about 5.6 liters of blood circulates through the body three times every minute. In one day, the blood travels. Think about it. I can't even get my mind around this. A total of 12,000 miles. That's four times the distance across the United States from coast to coast. Your heart pumps blood that much in a day. Think about that. The heart pumps about one million barrels of blood during an average lifetime. Now this just kind of blow your mind, but that if you could if you could fill an, uh, a barrel of oil, all right, and with all this blood of, of, of all this thing during an average lifetime, one million barrels. That's enough to fill more than three super tankers. Imagine that. Now, truth is, your heart did not evolve through evolution to become what it is today. It was made by, by God for a purpose, and that purpose is to do what? Keep you alive, right? To keep you alive. God values your life. You are not an accident. You're not a mistake. God values your life, and he values every life. Amen? He values every life. And the facts that I just gave you, they deal with the physical heart of a person. But today, we're going to talk about your spiritual heart, the core of who you are. And the truth of the matter is, you and I are in a spiritual war, and there is a battle that is raging for your heart. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about how to reign with a new heart. Reigning with a new heart. So today we're going to be in the book of Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. We're going to spend some time here in Romans. Romans chapter 5. And uh, as you're turning there, the first several chapters in the book of Romans, Paul is laying out the case that man is without excuse when he stands one day before a holy and a righteous God. Now, whether uh, the world believes that or not doesn't change that truth. Right? Just because someone doesn't believe that truth doesn't mean that that still is the truth. Okay? So, so one day, all of us are going to stand before God. All of us. Right? And there are different times, if you're a believer here today, you will stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema Seat Judgment. And you will give an account of your life. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you will not be at that judgment. You will not be at that judgment. And by the way, at that judgment, it's not your sin that's on trial. Your sin has been taken care of. Amen? Your sin has been dealt with. It was dealt with at the cross. And so for you and I as believers, that judgment will be a judgment of commendation, not condemnation. Alright? That's very important to understand. But the other judgment, if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you will stand before God at another judgment. And that judgment is called the Great White Throne Judgment. And at that judgment, there are no second chances. 
There are no, well, I, I, I got to this judgment. Maybe I can make it right now. No, everyone at that judgment, the Bible says, will be cast into the lake of fire. There are no second chances. So you and I will stand before God at one of those two judgments. The question that you need to answer is which judgment will I be in? Which judgment will I be in? And that's the question the world needs to answer. And so here we are in Romans chapter 5. In the first several chapters, Paul is laying out the case that one day there will be men who stand before God and he will not be able to give any excuse of why he didn't know. No, no excuse will pass. And Paul makes that very clear in these first several chapters. The only way to come to God is through the grace that is offered by salvation. And Paul makes the case that obeying the law does not bring you favor with God, and it does not justify you as a person. Obeying the law does nothing of that nature, right? The only way one can be justified is through salvation. And this is not something that comes by keeping a moral code of conduct. And let me tell you, there are many people out there that believe if they can keep a certain moral code of conduct, that they'll make it to heaven. But our Bible doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, it says the very opposite. So the only way that one can be justified is through salvation. It does not come by keeping a moral code of conduct. And in Romans chapter 5 and 6, Paul's teaching kind of boils down to this. When you realize that your sin has been paid for in full by Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the sinless one, that ought to cause you to live your life in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. Does that describe your life? Does your life, does my life, I have to ask myself this question every day, does my life reflect a life that has been changed by the power of the gospel and is my life bringing honor and glory to the Lord? Are you allowing Christ to rule in your heart and allowing him to reign in your life so that by his grace you can conquer sin? That's really the question. And sadly, I just got to be honest, there are many believers that live and operate from a sin management type philosophy. They live in guilt and shame because they, they fail to live up to the standard of holiness associated with following Christ. They hope to kind of reduce the bad stuff in their life. So instead, instead of reigning in life, and that's what we're going to look at here this morning. And the first half of Romans chapter 5 describes our union with Christ. And the closing verses of this chapter and the first part of chapter 6, we discover just three very simple principles of reigning with a new heart. And the first one is on your screen. Number one, recognize the payment. Recognize the payment. Look at Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You see, to reign with a new heart, we got to first recognize the payment that Christ made, not just for our sin, but for our heart. For our heart. And verse 17 mentions the gift resulting in justification. 
Listen, God did not just redeem us from sin. He transformed our hearts. He transformed our hearts. Everything that was lost in Adam was regained in Christ. Now, i got to be honest with you. I don't always feel like I have a new heart. Anybody with me? Right? I, I, I'm just being honest. I don't always feel that way. But feelings must be based on fact. Otherwise, they're just feelings. Get that? Feelings must be based on fact. Otherwise, they're just feelings. And not all the time do I feel like I have a new heart. But the promise is, those who have received the abundance of grace, verse 17, have been promised a new heart. And the promise is universal. It's universal. Salvation isn't limited to the select few. It's not just for people of noble birth or a particular race. It's available as to as many by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, verse 15. We see that. And the atoning sacrifice of Christ, it's effectual, it's eternal. And when one receives the, the grace of God, the result is a changed life forever. Adam's sin, listen to me, had enormous consequences, but the sacrifice of Christ's death was much more beneficial, much more powerful, much more effective. Listen to verse 20. Where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. Let me tell you something. Um, Alright, so last time you bought, well, probably sometimes with a used vehicle, but right now, uh, you know, used vehicles are kind of the hot item, aren't they? Alright? Uh, but here's what happens when you go to the dealership. And uh, any dealership uh, owners or workers in here? <laughs> I don't want to get thrown out of here. No, but here's what happens. So, you know, you buy a vehicle, and automatically you get offered the warranty, right? And if you buy a new vehicle, and depending on the make of that vehicle, it's, that warranty is good for seven years or 100,000 miles, whatever it is, right? Your salvation is not that way. It's not a warranty, right, that, that expires. When you came to Christ, your salvation is forever, amen? It's forever. Do you realize this morning the enormous price that was paid for your salvation? Listen to me. You had a debt that you could not pay. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. And Christ, the Son of God, who was holy and just and righteous and sinless, took your sin and my sin and He made the ultimate transaction at the cross. Think about it. Our unrighteousness was exchanged for His righteousness. Aren't you thankful for your salvation this morning? It was an enormous price. We need to recognize the payment. Notice secondly, notice secondly, not only do we need to recognize the payment, but we need to reckon our position. Go to that next slide for me, please. Listen to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Notice, Likewise, and uh, if you're an underliner in your Bible, uh, you'll have this next word. It'll either be reckon or count uh, or thing, but circle that word. I'm going to tell you about that word here in a minute. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, i got to be honest with you. You know, we, uh, we, have, we are in the process uh, of raising five children. A couple of them are out of the house. 
couple of them are still in the house. Now it's grandkids, right? It's grandkids. And man, uh, my kids, don't listen to this. It's a whole lot more fun raising the grandkids, isn't it? <laughs> you didn't hear that, guys, did you? No, okay. So anyway, but from time to time, we go on trips, right? Everybody remember the family trips, right? And inevitably, not too far down the road, the question arises, what? Are we there, Are we there yet? Right? Now, now, as the driver, it is blatantly obvious to me that we are not there yet because we're still driving. Right? But children can't comprehend that concept. They just can't comprehend that. And to me, the answer seems pretty obvious, right? It's kind of no different than, than, than how we, we don't always appreciate our new position in Christ. Romans 6.11 says, Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Listen to me, get that. Reckon, count yourself. One paraphrase puts it this way. Listen to how it's worded. I love this. Here's what it says. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign... How can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That's what happened in baptism when we went under the water. We left the old country of sin and came up in the new country of grace. A new life in a new land. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on to every word. You must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Man, this, that is just right on target, isn't it? Just right on target. When we receive the grace of God, the gift of the grace of God and salvation, and our heart is changed, right? Our heart is changed. We begin to think different. We begin to talk different. We begin to act different. Why? Because God has done a work in our hearts. That's what's wrong with all of these makeover shows. I mean, I like watching them and all. But you can, you, you know, I guess the old saying is you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, right? Well, you can change the uh, color of a house. You can gut the house, but if you don't deal with what's going on on the inside of the house, the heart of the house, guess what? The outside of the house is going gonna, gonna to end up just like it. Right? And, and this world is so focused on changing the externals. Listen to me. The only hope that man has is a change of heart. I, I'm just being honest with you about it. You know, I, 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 I was thinking, you know, of, of of my life before Christ. You know, I thought differently about people. I thought differently about people of color. Now I have kids of color. I wasn't always nice. My heart wasn't right. I, I, I made fun of people. You know, when I think about my life, before Christ. That's dark. It was hopeless. But when 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 God drew me to him and at age fifteen I I 
gave, I, I remember, I remember being on the floor crying out to God, saying to him, God, I don't know how you can love someone as messed up as me. I don't know. I don't understand the theology of that. I couldn't relate to that very well because I didn't really receive love from my earthly parents. So it was hard for me to understand love from a father who I've never seen. But God, in some miraculous way, in my heart, changed it. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loved me. No, no, matter what, no matter the choices that I made, no matter the things that I had done to my body, no matter the people that I hurt, no matter the things that I thought, the, the language that I used, somehow God birthed in my heart this softness that began to happen in my heart that God loved me. And I could not help then but give my life to Him. Amen? Like, it ruined me for me. It changed my heart. And I remember saying to God, I don't know what you can do with me, but you can have the rest of my life. And you know what? When I look back over my shoulder, maybe when you look back over your shoulder, you see how far you've come. Sometimes we forget how far we've come. But then I look ahead, and I realize... Oh, I still got a long way to go. Anybody with me? I, I'm still a work in progress. There are still things that pop into my head that shouldn't. There are still words that come to my mouth that shouldn't come to my mouth. There are things that happen in my life that, that I, I, I know I know I need to give this to God, but I, I keep hanging on to it. Right? It's just the reality of this walk with Christ. It's, it's, it's ten steps forward, and it's, or it's two steps forward and ten steps back at times. But keep going. Keep, keep, keep trusting. You, you are not who you used to be. He's changed you. If, you. if you know Christ as your Savior, He's given you a new heart. And you are and I are commanded to reign in that new heart. Reign in that new heart. Wait a minute. We are dead to sin. The Bible tells us that. Sin has no power over you. It was broken at the cross. The only power that it has is what you and I give it. That's it. It's, it's it. Salvation is a free gift, but it's, but it's also a growing change of perception and action. The word reckon that I had you circle or underline here, it's an accounting term. Uh, some of the, who's my numbers people in here? Uh, my, I know we have numbers people in here. Yep, your numbers, there's someone else. Numbers, right? So you understand what reckon means. If you reconcile your checkbook, you make it what? Balance out, right? You make it balance out. And this word is a very interesting word. It literally means to count, to count, and to take an inventory to conclude. And Paul is saying, think about it. Count, conclude, come to the place where you take into account that your sin was paid in full. Therefore, you are dead to the power of sin in your life, but you are alive to God through the power of Jesus Christ. Here's the question. What keeps you from living that way? 
What keeps you from living in the power of his resurrection? What keeps me? Notice thirdly. Thirdly, we need to redirect the flesh. Look at Romans chapter 6 and notice verse 12 and 13. Notice what he says here. We kind of read this, Rick read this for us this morning. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Uh, the word instrument here, it's a very interesting word. Uh, I have been wanting to just pick this up the entire <laughs> service. Can I, can I just hold it? Okay. I won't play it because you won't understand it. Well, it's on there, okay? I'm not going to pick it up. That's an instrument. <laughs> this over here is an instrument, but that's not the instrument that it's talking about in the Bible. It's not talking about an instrument that makes noise. The word instrument there in verse 13 is a very interesting word. It's a literal word that can be translated as weapon or tool. A weapon or tool. Paul is saying, don't, this is very, this is this is the, the bare bones stripped away version of what this verse is saying. Don't Use your body parts as tools or weapons for unrighteousness. That's what he's saying. In other words, quit giving in to sin. When you do that, you become a weapon or a tool of unrighteousness. So then what are we to do? Redirect the flesh. Listen to me for a moment. You and I have to be ruthless in learning to starve the flesh. Start the flesh. Satisfy the spirit. Staying away from legalism. You know, i got to be honest with you. Many people are bored of Christianity because they see following Christ as a program of study to become a better person. That's what a lot of people think about. And they just see following Christ as, as this program. But God has called us to be warriors who train our bodies to be weapons for righteousness and in this battle for righteousness. And that training begins with starving the flesh, our old sinful flesh. Don't offer any parts of it to sin. We must guard ourselves from the destructive influences that are all around us. We all have them. Wickedness does not reign in the life of a believer, but wickedness does reside in our old nature. And you and I must never underestimate our ability to resist sin. Just when you say, that will never happen to me, bam, it's going to happen. Peter did. That will never happen to me, Lord. Oh, they might deny you, but it will never happen to me. And Jesus kind of rebuked them there, didn't he? Oh, Peter, not only is it going to happen, but it's going to happen three times with you. We can't get to that place. We need to redirect any provision for a sinful flesh. You know, if you have two dogs, you got a black dog and you got a white dog, you know which one's going to be the stronger of the two? The one you feed the most. You feed the black dog more than the white dog, and it'll become stronger. You feed the white dog more than the black dog, and it'll become stronger. It's the same thing in our flesh. What are you feeding? Whatever you're feeding, if you're feeding the flesh, well, it's going to become stronger. 
If you're feeding the Spirit, then the Spirit will be stronger in our lives. You and I have to starve the flesh. Romans 13, 14 says, But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You and I must learn to starve the flesh and satisfy the Spirit. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. We can feed our souls on spiritual food. That's what we're commanded to do. But here's the problem that I have, and maybe you have it. I kind of like junk food sometimes. The problem is junk food never satisfies. And here's the problem that you and I have is that we kind of prefer at times the junk food of the world and guess what? It leaves us hungry every single time. It just leaves us hungry. Never really satisfied. In the kingdom of God, We've got to learn to eat meat from the Word of God and drink in the fresh water of worship and feast on the fruit of prayer. Listen to Romans 6, verse 14 and 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. You know, there was people in Paul's day, and guess what? There's people still today. Same thing. They think they can do whatever they want to do because, oh, God will just forgive me for it. Well, that's not what the Bible says here. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin because we're not under the law but under grace? No, God forbid. You shouldn't think like that. As a believer, we shouldn't think like that. Paul says, stay away from legalism. The Bible identifies legalism as one of the most dangerous aspects and threats to genuine faith. Listen to me. Prayer, Bible study, church attendance, stewardship, evangelism... Political activism have all been victimized by legalism. And here's where things get a little touchy. Individuals and even denominations have embraced legalistic standards in an attempt to build disciplined Christians. It's very sad. And maturity has often been defined by an adherence to an artificial standard that can be easily measured instead of the biblical standard of being full of the Spirit of God. That's what God wants. Legalism turns the task, things like praying and, and studying and witnessing and tithing, into the target. If I just do these things then God will be pleased with me. No, those are not the target. They are stepping stones on a path that flow out of your life that has been changed by the grace of God. They are not the target. Jesus Christ is the target. We're to become more like Him. We're not to be legalistic managers running around trying to produce good little saints. God promises a new heart that dwells with overflowing grace to all who receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Our goal, listen to me, is not to be nice, respectable believers. We're called to manifest the glory of God as reigning as righteous warriors for the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what He's called us to do. And we can only do that if we reign with a new heart. With a new heart. So you know what we got to do? we got to recognize the payment that Christ made for you on the cross. He changed, exchanged your unrighteousness, my unrighteousness, for His righteousness. We need to reckon our position. 
Remember, you are dead to sin, but alive unto God. Sin has no power over you. It has no power over you. Only the power that you and I give it. And then we need to redirect our flesh. Do not make provision for the flesh. Starve. Learn to starve the old nature. Learn to starve it. I've shared this story. I've shared it before. I don't know if I ever shared it here, but... You know, I, I remember when, uh, when when I came to Christ, uh, it was very easy for me to change my language, uh, to change. Uh, at that time, I was involved in stuff that I should not have been involved in, uh, destructive things to my body, and uh, that changed. But one thing that took forever to change was smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 10, 10 years old, okay? Found a, a, a carton of my dad's cigarettes, thought it'd be cool, me and my friends would just go smoke some cigarettes. Well, when I met Kathy, I still smoked cigarettes, but I hid that from her. I didn't want her to know. Because I thought if, if she knew, she would leave me. I thought she would just, I was a very insecure young guy. I didn't, I didn't, I, no, no one important in my life ever stayed around, so I, I, I thought if, if she finds out, she's going to leave me. And so for years, I would just live in shame and guilt. And then Christians would say things to me like, well, if you just, if you just lived closer to Jesus, if you just trusted God more, then you'd be able to quit this. And that made me feel very ashamed and felt like I could never reach it. Anybody with me? We've got to be careful how we help people. Right? It's a work in progress. But I will tell you this, there did come the point where Kathy discovered that I was smoking in a very inconspicuous way. She just showed up one day to bring me dinner when I was working. And there I was, smoking. And you know what hurt her more than anything? It wasn't that I was smoking, but that I lied. That's what hurt and so now, she was enlisted on my side after we worked through this to help me stop this. I had believed that she wouldn't help me. I believed that she would leave me. I believed lies that the enemy had sown in to hide it and cover it. But now I had someone to help me. And you know what happened? I began to starve that flesh. And guess what now? All these years later, it's not even a thought. If, if I even smell it, it, it kind of makes me sick in my stomach. Why? Because we starve the flesh <coughs> and fed the spirit. And God in his timing delivered me from that. Not my timing. I wanted to be a whole lot faster than what it was. But it was God's timing. And you and I need to learn to redirect the flesh. Starve that old sinful nature. Let me share with you in closing about three men who gave their lives to Christ this past week. It was really quite amazing. Our team was uh, uh, 13 people. It was a little smaller than the team that we took from here. And uh, on the, remember the day we went down and fed the homeless? Okay. Well, that day that we went and fed, down, uh, fed the homeless on that Thursday that we were down there, there weren't very many that day. 
we had a lot of extra food and for whatever reason there just there was a few but not a whole lot. But this this past week there was a whole lot. There was a whole lot. And uh, they had been sitting out in their cars in that hot sun. It was so you know how hot it was last week. It was just stinking hot and humid. And there they are sitting in their cars. Some of them are just kind of staying, some of them coming out of the bush because they live up in the bush. And uh, these three men were sitting in this car, and I mean rough. A little scary looking. And we had on our team this little Filipino lady. She stands about this tall. But what she misses in height, she makes up for in stature and her love for Jesus. And she is a prayer warrior. And so uh, her name's Lisa. And so Lisa said, uh, I'm going to go and talk to this car. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I should probably go over there with her. And so I started going. She said, no, I, I want to do this. And I said, okay. And so I kind of was just kind of watching to see what was going on. And I could hear her talking to these men. And I could hear some of the conversation that was going on. These men were boss. And this is what they said. I heard them say it with my own ears. They said, man, God can't love us. We are too bad. We are really bad men. And she looked right at him and she said, you're just the kind of people that God loves. And she began to have this conversation. And after about 15 minutes of a conversation, you know what happened? All three of them men in tears are giving their lives to Jesus Christ in that car. Listen to me. The mission has never changed. Go and win the lost. Share the message of salvation. Learn to teach people about their new heart when they come to Christ. It is a journey. We are all a work in progress. None of us have arrived. The only time we'll know we have arrived is when we take our last breath here and our next inhale is in glory. That's when we arrive. But until then, keep trusting Jesus. Keep serving God. Keep redirecting your flesh. Keep reckoning the payment that was made for your sin. Keep sharing what God is doing in your life. You are an open epistle read among men, the Bible says. Your life, it's an open book. People are watching you. They're listening to you. They're seeing how you respond in certain situations at your work. You know that job that you hate going to every single day? The people that just absolutely drive you nuts? You don't know. God has you there for a very specific plan and a purpose. And your life is to make a difference. It's to make a difference. Maybe you're here today. And you're like those men. I, I don't know everybody's relationship with the Lord in here. I would love to think that everyone here knows Jesus. You might know about Jesus. You might know about Him. You, you might come to church here. You might be on the membership roll. You might have been gone in through the waters of baptism. But you've never come to the place where you know Him. You know Him. And like those three men, don't believe the lies anymore that the devil has kept in your head to keep you from coming to Jesus. Today 
is the day of salvation. Stand with me for prayer. Our praise team is going to be coming. I always ask the question because I never know. Everybody's looking at me now. No, we're not going to do the all heads bowed and eyes closed because listen to me. When you come to Jesus, it ought to be a very public thing. No shame involved in it whatsoever. Sometimes I think we try and make it a little bit too easy by just giving people, but you know what? We, listen, if you need Jesus, then we want to help you with that, and we want to rejoice with you in it. And so I just ask the question, is anyone here? Just, just uh, raise your hand. Do you not know Jesus? I'm not going to bring you up here. I'm not going to make you come out here in front and have you share a story. I just want to know so I can pray for you. Anybody here, you, you don't know if when you stand before God, if your final destination is heaven. Anybody, I always ask the question. Alright? And I trust that everyone here knows. Then here's the thing. Remember, when we leave here today and we go back into this world, remember, you are the missionary. Not me. I am a missionary that you support our families, but you're the missionary. You will go out there. And there are people out there that still need Jesus, just like those three men down there in Kentucky that came to Christ. Three men. And one lady and the clothing distribution that we did, one lady came to Christ there too. They still needed Jesus. There's still people that need Jesus out there. Let's ask God to help us with that this week. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you broke the power of sin in our lives by going to the cross, paying for our sin. You, you dealt with the penalty of our sin. Lord, we deserved hell, but Lord, for those of us that have trusted you, uh, you have rescued us from that place and given us heaven, a place in heaven at your side as joint heirs with you. God, we're forever grateful. I don't know, our, our human words just can't be grateful enough. But Lord, we're ever so grateful for the sacrifice that was made. Forgive us when we feed our flesh. Forgive us, Lord, when we feed our flesh with the things of this world, the things that pull us away from you, not closer to you. Help us, Lord, to lean on you in these critical days where people are hopeless, they're filled with fear, they're filled with hopelessness. Lord Jesus, help us to be a voice of truth in the settings that you have placed us in, at our work, in our communities, to our neighbors, to our other family members. Lord Jesus, help us to live what we believe. It makes a difference. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people here. Lovely, lovely brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank you for Pastor Roger and Luann and their love for you in this place. And so Lord, as we close out today in worship, may we sing with hearts that have been changed by your grace. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.